Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we're back to recap the latest down in Destin from the SEC spring meetings. Day two, a little bit of a slower day here, but we got some fireworks thanks to old Jimbo Fisher. That was uh, arguably the, the most anticipated media availability of this entire event. What would Jimbo say after he went all fire and brimstone there uh, on Nick Saban? A little update here from Cousin Shane. Got off the line with him. The move is done. Getting internet installed. Maybe an opportunity for Cousin Shane to hop on the line. And hopefully, maybe, fingers crossed, I'm sure there's going to be a camera excuse or something, but maybe we'll have video of Cousin Shane on the next episode, and hopefully we'll have him on tomorrow's show. Still trying to line up some guests down there for people down in Destin on location, but you know all the reporters down there are very, very busy, so it's tough to fit in anyone's schedule at this point in time. We're still working hard to get some recaps into what's going on down there in Destin. But let's start the show here with comments from Greg Sankey, who spoke, uh, he's, he's spoken both days down here at uh, the SEC spring meetings. And, you know, he's was asked about scheduling, how soon a resolution could come there on, again, eliminating divisions. That certainly seems to be the way the SEC, the, the way the rest of college football is trending Uh, And then this last comment comes from Sankey had an appearance on Wednesday on the Paul Feinbaum show on making a decision this week. Could it happen as soon as this week of the eight game or nine game SEC schedule? Things of that nature, though, it'll, of course, have to be voted on. But uh, let's kick it over to the commissioner, Greg Sankey. Probably. Yeah, we focused more on the single division model. Um, But until we're done, you never know. Has there been pushback just on that idea, no divisions, or do you think that's kind of the way college football is moving forward, not just with the SEC, but also elsewhere in the power conferences? Well, I'll let others comment on their own decision-making. Um, we have pushed back. We've had discussion, debate through a set of models, and until we're done, we're going to have discussion and debate about models. Um as we think about what are we trying to achieve, um, you know, I talked about blue sky thinking, so let's open up how we schedule. Let's think about options. Let's move teams through campus more frequently. So those were my two starting points. Uh, issues of fairness and balance, which are uh, were not defined. So when we started this process, and fairness and, and fairness and balance were introduced in like every interview. So understand these have been individual interviews. Um, some some survey feedback, some group discussion, some more individual interviews. What are the priorities? Fairness and balance. Well, what does that mean? So then you have to define, you know, fairness and balance. So balance was defined as moving teams through with greater frequency, and fairness becomes a bit of analytics about the the equity equity from a competitive standpoint. This week. With Commissioner Sankey, uh, the, the the other media story before this one mushroomed what was about the future uh, of this league, what it's going to look like. You, you've been quoted as saying there are endless numbers of models. Uh, where, where is that right now in terms of what's, what's ahead sooner? 
you know, the, the quick history, we started in August. We focused on to the extent we'd be prepared to make decisions here, to be prepared to make decisions, but we don't have to make decisions here. And, and so I think we're poised to, you know, some questions have come up. Um, about information, so we'll, we'll probably need to gather a little bit more information. I think in, if, you, if you list 21 sports, there's a whole bunch that we're ready to go. A few, and, and football's going to lead, where still debate on, on what we should look like. We, you know, we have a bit of uncertainty around the college football playoff. It would be the, the current format in 25. We've had really strong success at 8, and then 26, we'll have something. Uh, I don't know what that will be. So that, that's one of those dynamics that, that we have to take a step back and consider. Again, so based on those comments, you know, Sankey, he never likes to reveal much when he uh, has got a mic in front of his face here and staying true to form here, keeping things pretty close to the vest. But the fact that uh, a decision could come, now again, the SEC is under no timeline to necessarily get that done. We still don't know when Texas and Oklahoma will be joining the league. Everybody keeps saying July 2025. That is uh, officially when Texas and Oklahoma can get out of their Big 12 contracts. I still think it'll be before then, but contractually they have to say that 2025 because uh, otherwise they could get slapped by the Big 12 for essentially making deals and plans with uh, – two members that are, again, under contract with the Big 12. But interestingly, Greg Sankey has admitted here that uh, Texas and Oklahoma, while they don't have representatives at this SEC spring meetings, they are keeping them in the loop not only in football but in all sports scheduling, the future of the SEC scheduling. So I don't know. Would you, I mean, I guess you would reach out even if it is 2025, but that, again, indicates to me that they are keeping those programs, those schools in the loop just in case it comes a little bit sooner like we all hope it will. And that is the vibe. You know, we're getting from Destin nine-game SEC schedule likely going to beat out the eight-game model, which is uh, what we've been promoting here all offseason with a nine-game schedule. You'd have... Three permanent rivals you'd play annually. You'd mix up the other six every other season. I love that model. Now the tricky part's going to be who's in your three permanents. Uh, that is going to be a sticking point for probably all 14 SEC teams. And something uh, Scott Strickland, the AD, mentioned, you know, a lot of fatigue from fans with the current model. He expects the new model will allow for all teams to travel to every other SEC stadium every four years. So, again, that is just more smoke to the nine-game model with the three permanents, six rotating. That's exactly what Scott Strickland is uh, referencing there with uh, being able to visit all 16 SEC stadiums in a four-year span like players deserve to do. And just to be clear, because, uh, you know, you see some reports out there, coaches have not voted on any of this stuff. The coaches don't have the final say. The final say goes to the school presidents. And they, along with, the, in part, the ADs, but still the school presidents are the ones that get to make these decisions. Presidents are the ones that get to vote on expansion and all that. They are set to meet on Thursday, and they may put a vote on the table for going to the nine-game SEC schedule. I do not know if that is going to happen or not, but uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop as soon as uh, you know anything's announced there 
And if there is a vote, it's just the way it goes in the SEC. You're all in or there's no vote. So they're not going to hold this thing until uh, they're confident that they can get everybody on board with going to a nine-game SEC conference slate, which is uh, you know hopefully what they do. Now we're going to get to Jimbo's comments here in just a minute because he had so many good ones here on Wednesday. But I just thought this was hilarious. Uh, Scott Woodward, of course, the uh, LSU AD, he's good buddies with Jimbo there, tried to hire Jimbo this offseason. You know, we all know the stories there. And he was the one that managed to to lure Jimbo away from Florida State to Texas A&M, of course. Asked about the uh, the fussing and the feuding between Jimbo and Nick Saban on the Paul Feinbaum show. Scott Woodward with uh, the perfect uh, analogy here. I'm sure, you've got a, you've had a good uh, front row seat to uh, all of the uh, theatrics lately. Yeah, uh, Paul. Like we were discussing, uh, I'm not going to get in between two hillbillies fighting uh, from West Virginia. That's that's a no win situation. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to recover from that. That reminds me of Cousin Shane and the Flying Hawaiian going back and forth. Two hillbillies fighting on the floor. Uh, that's something that uh, my family knows good and well, and I bet a lot of you out there know exactly what old Scott Woodworks talking about when he says two hillbillies fighting. But perfect segue to get here to Jimbo Fisher's comments. Uh, again, spoke here on Wednesday, much anticipated, and you had to have seen it coming, of course. You know, that was the big topic coming into this event. Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher right out the gate. Asked about Nick Saban. He was asked about Nick Saban, basically this whole damn presser. But let's kick it over to Jimbo, his uh, comments on Nick Saban and how cordial the meetings have been with uh, the SEC coaches behind closed doors. What was your interaction with Nick like, if any? We had any, just like we would on normal conversations within – the issues that we had, we all had a lot of dialogue. Probably since I mean, I've been here, but I've been also been in the ACC meeting for all those years when I was a head coach. One of the best dialogues as far as a group of coaches with, with everyone speaking and having opinions that I've been around, one of the best ones we had because everybody knows the pressing issues. But we had dialogue. If he had an opinion, we had an opinion. I mean, you know, we all discussed things very professionally in the right way. Did you clear the air, though, with him? Did you speak to him directly about what you accused him of? We spoke very in the beginning, and he's what he accused us of. You know, both things. We said it, it's over with. We're done talking about it and what happens, and we're moving on to the future, what goes on, and try to fix the problems of what we have in college football. We're a lot more pressing needs than our arguments. So you said that directly. We're, we're, we're done. This is over. We're moving on. Yeah, we're moving on to do what we got. I have no problem. What was your relationship like with, with Coach Saban and LSU? Kirby made a reference to it. People have said. No, we were good. I, mean, he was, I was on offense. He was on, on that. We had a great relationship. We had a lot of success, did well, and – well, not many issues at all. I mean, normal normal staff issues, if this or tomorrow, I mean, what you're doing here. But, I mean, nothing. We had a great relationship. But it's, it's part of having a great relationship even then. There, there's disagreements. Oh, yeah. let me ask you that. Like you ever argue with your brother? Oh, sure. Do you love your brother? Yeah. Did you support your brother? That's the way coaches are. You can't get to where you're trying to go on a staff if you don't have this. If everybody's yes people and everybody says the same thing, you don't ever get nowhere. You can't, you can't get better. I mean, that, that's part of our nature and our competitive nature. Jimbo, just to put a bow on it. I tied up. I'm done, all right? I'm done. I, I you want me to double knot it? You want me to double knot it? We're here now. You don't regret going back and saying, man. I'm not talking about it. We're moving on. We're moving on. 
Coach, I double nodded. How about that? So that's pretty interesting. And, and just a little uh, behind the curtain here, if you were unaware, Jimbo is actually annually they rotate who's the chairman of the coaches. Just so happened to be this year was Jimbo Fisher was the chairman. So when they hold these meetings, I mean, he's got the – he's – in the lead chair, you know, picking on who gets called and who doesn't. So I wonder if uh, Nick Saban, if he iced him out as the chairman, I, I think he would have lost his role as chairman if that were the case. But uh, I kid. But it's interesting that it that it all lined up the way it did. So uh, <laughs> Jimbo also had his comments there on the eight or nine game conference schedule. Certainly seems like some of these coaches are a little bit split on – you know, which direction to go in. But again, the coaches, they're not the ones that have a say. You know, they, they'll they get to speak to the ADs. They'll get to weigh in with the school presidents. But certainly sounds like not all the coaches are on board with making their jobs and lives tougher going to a, a potential nine-game SEC schedule. So I thought that was interesting. But one other important nugget here dropped by Jimbo on Wednesday was the fact that uh, if they go to a nine-game SEC slate, it appears that the SEC is going to do away with, there's a current rule, I'm sure all fans know this, but you have to play one Power 5 non-conference opponent annually in the SEC. Sounds like they're going to drop that if they go to the nine-game conference slate, which is going to make things tougher because I don't think we're going to be seeing no chance in hell, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, Kentucky, Louisville, those games are going to remain on the schedule. So you're talking teams like South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky having minimum 10 Power 5 conference opponents. So, you know, maybe Florida's already said they're in favor of it, but that leads me to believe South Carolina and Kentucky, you know, they may be two of the holdout here's to go to a nine-game conference slate, of course, South Carolina, you could argue you drop an A&M annually. If the Aggies turn into a power, going to a nine-game slate could favor you there. But just some interesting nuggets. And Jimbo also, you know, this is something a lot of coaches argue for, and you, and you wonder if they're being genuine or not. But playing FCS opponents, G5 opponents, Jimbo Fisher makes a strong case why even if we do go to nine games, why we should keep these uh low-level opponents on the schedule in the SEC. Was there a consensus in the coaches on eight or nine conference schedules? Do you think coaches can – yeah. <laughs> 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 I want good questions now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm no, there wasn't because I think each – again, you have each team and each program sees itself differently based on where it's at, what it does, or where, you know, where it can be based off – I think conference games are great, but I think, you know – and with the new TV contracts, are they up it? Do you get better? You get better form? I'm, I'm all for it. But I am for this. I'm going to say this about scheduling. I don't mind if it's nine or eight. You know what I'm saying? I think getting great conference because we also schedule, like, for instance, we have Miami come on for two years. We've got Notre Dame after that for two years. So we're always, you know, we were still, whether we had eight or nine, we're still scheduling another big game, which I do. But I do believe this. And I know a lot of picks don't at our level. I know fans don't. But here's, I'm, I'm going to explain why. I do believe we need to play a, a FC at one double A game. And people don't believe that. And here's, here, I'm going to give you my reason why. I came from that league of ball. Bobby Bowden came from that league of ball. A lot of great coach. At Kent, Nick came. At Kent State was, that wouldn't be a considered a power five job. How do those schools make budget, 
make things for this game the betterment of football. I think you have to trickle the wealth down to those schools so they can make budget and one AA can play a Division II. Because if you don't, and those schools have to fold up because they can't get the money or for their programs, where do the high school kids get scholarships? How many kids get educated from small college football? And we say they're going to – but they don't get crowds. I mean, what's a big crowd for Division II? 10,000? One double A's, it's still ten or twelve, fifteen thousand. Now some get more. I'm not saying that, but you have to trickle that finance. I think we have to let that wealth drain all the way through all the football, Division Three, Division Two, One Double A, the non-power fives, whatever. I think you have to do that for the betterment of this game. I know that may not be the greatest game to watch, but <laughs> there's a lot of upsets in those games too, and there's a lot of opportunities. But for the betterment of football, because if those kids quit playing football in high school because there's other opportunities in other sports. That hurts the big game of football in the whole picture thing. That's the way I look at it. Now, maybe that's because I came from small college football, but I think those things and opportunities and the chances for people are, are out there, in my opinion. Our understanding is, is that if, you, if the SEC does go to a nine-game schedule, that they'll eliminate the requirements to have to play a Power 5 non-conference opponent every year. Yeah, I, I believe that was true. That was what was presented. I don't would know you, that. Would you still want to play? Yeah, we most likely would. Yeah, we would probably keep our game with Notre Dame or I think or uh, Miami or whoever else because I think where you're going in the college football playoff, that's the other avenue of this thing. Where is this thing going that gets into your conference games? Because at the end of the day, you want great content, but as a program, still you want what gives you the best chance and which con allows you to get the most teams in, into the playoff. And, and to get the 12 best teams or eight best teams or 16 best teams, whatever that format is, that's and I think that's the thing of the, of the playoff that, I, that I'm for. I mean, what are the eight, 12, 16, what are they the best teams and how you get there? And I think hopefully they'll reward strength of schedule in, in that process. And I think it's better for college football. So, again, it's one thing to just sit here and say this and, and say, you know, I, want, I need some cupcakes on my schedule to fill up on. But, you know, he makes a good point. A lot of these, uh, you know, programs, they need these games to survive. And not only that, but, you know, that's a lot of the coaches start out at these low-level ranks. You know, where's the pipeline to excellent coaches going to be coming from if we start doing away with a lot of these lower-tier football programs? That's not necessarily the SEC. You know, it's not on them to, to fuel the rest of the country here, but it is something to consider before uh, you know any kind of banning of, of FCS games or G5 games, which I don't think would necessarily be on the table. But that's interesting. In addition to Jimbo's comments there on the SEC doing away with that non-conference Power 5 requirement, one opponent at the Power 5 level. So how does that create any kind of imbalance in, it, in schedules of, of some SEC teams that – will be something interesting to see. And then last little nugget here, maybe the best comment here from Jimbo, in my opinion, Texas coming into the league, of course. We don't know when at, at this point in time, but when the Longhorns come in, does Jimbo want to face the Longhorns every season? Would you anticipate with the new scheduling set up in years to come, the University of Texas being your permanent rival? And would you look forward to it? I know you've learned a lot about the rivalry. No, I'm, I would love it. I mean, rivalries are great for college football. I love rivalries. I think the one, uh, the one seven format, in my opinion, whatever the dominant rivalry is or whatever the league says it is, uh, is that the three gives you, you get your second rival, which in this league, there's still a lot of those that are included in that thing too. And then the format goes back of you know five and four and how, what you're scheduling. I think there's a whole 
there's so much unknown because where's the college format going to be? Where's the bowl game schedule is going to be in the future? How does this affect playoffs? How many teams are getting in? How many losses can you have? I think there's a lot of consequences there that we don't know the answers to. But, yeah, I would love to play Texas. If that was our guy, I would love to play Texas. Without a doubt. And that's the only answer you had to give right there if you're Jimbo. I mean, you cannot run from Texas. And I know the Aggies sure as hell won't be running from them. Uh, there's no reason to run from the, the Longhorns last time I checked the last couple decades. So it would be a travesty, in my opinion, if Texas comes into the league and they do not play A&M annually. So we got to get this resolved, something we've hit on on previous episodes. Again, that's why the eight-game model just doesn't work. If if they're going one permanent rivalry, seven rotating, because you'd lose that game. You'd lose a lot of great games. So hopefully they make the right decision, go with the nine-game model and the three permanents. Now, two other things real quick. It was a relatively quiet day here, the spring meetings day two, but I just thought this was hilarious. The first year LSU coach Brian Kelly, of course, longtime Notre Dame coach, always uh, touting up, you know, the fighting Irish and everything they got going on. But as soon as old Brian Kelly is down here in SEC country, he wants it to be known that the SEC sets the tone for the rest of the country. Uh, these comments come courtesy of uh, Sirius XM Radio. And there's some things that, you know, we have to be collaborative with. And, and when I say collaborative, I mean, we have to come out with a message as a, a group of coaches. And, yeah. Yeah. and the SEC should do that. I mean, we should be that group that kind of sets the tone, whether it be name, image, and likeness, or it be the transfer portal. Um, you know, and scheduling, obviously, is important, too, because we're bringing in Oklahoma and we're bringing in Texas. And, you know, that has implications, yeah. too. So... Um, I think what we decided was that, you know, whatever comes out uh, of these meetings, we have to be collaborative and we've got to be uniform in terms of, you know, what we say and how we say it. And I think that that was really important in what we crafted. <laughs> Isn't it funny? These coaches, uh, the SEC overrated, yada, 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 the moment they're in. SEC's the best. I think even Jimbo was guilty of that at a time or two when he was at old FSU. ACC was dominant back in. Mm-mm. Not the moment they come into the SEC, they start telling the truth when it comes to where the toughest uh, football is played in college football, and it's no doubt it's the SEC. So I just thought that was hilarious. And then last little nugget here, I had not heard anything about this, so I thought I thought the audience would find this pretty interesting, but Kirby Smart is on the uh, competition committee, the rules committee, and he mentioned that, uh, you know, they are at least considering ways to shorten college football games. That's And we all love college football, but sometimes, you know, these four-hour games, I, I swear every SEC on CBS game, as long as it's competitive, is uh, four hours, four and a half hours minimum. Hell, I even remember a couple of years ago, Tennessee, Texas A&M played, and, you know, the, a couple of days later, it was such a great game, overtime game. The SEC Network kind of, they, they replay the games, but they shorten them a little bit for time constraints. They had to skip an entire quarter <laughs> of that Tennessee-Texas A&M game because, my God, it was, again, it was like a four-and-a-half-hour marathon-type game. So Kirby Smart sharing some insight into uh, the Rules Committee, at least looking at ways they can shorten 
college football games to make them a little bit more uh, just like the NFL when it comes to time constraints. Interesting. In terms of the uh, the way the, the conference is going to look, I mean, it, it is. We all like uh, have liked what we have, but it is uh, inequitable when you don't really know who you're going to get some yeah. some years. Um, in terms of adding that game, and I, I asked this to a coach who's opening against Oregon. You've been to Notre Dame. Everyone knows you. you, you Clemson last yeah. year. You've never run away from anyone. How do you feel about about the debate between adding a game? and doing away with divisions? It's hard because I really want to add the game, but I want to do it more for the fans. I really feel like fans and the consumers that come to our games, they want the best games, right? They want the interconference. They want to see SEC play SEC teams. So I want to give them what they want. I also want the best opportunity for our conference to get more teams in the playoff. Well, is the playoff of the future four? Or is the playoff of the future eight, six, 12? I don't know that, but you want the most opportunity. As the playoff number grows, I think there's more and more people comfortable with more SEC games. But that's not the only reason to do it. The reason to do it is because it's the best teams playing the best teams. And for viewership, I think, I know our fan base at Georgia, right. they want to see us play Texas A&M. We haven't gone to Texas A&M to this right. date. It's a 12-year cycle. So they're going to they're gonna have the ability to tighten the cycle even more if you play more games. Yeah, some people refer back to the COVID year, which is a, a bizarre year. Uh, but I heard from you and many, just, it, was, it was a brutal stretch. It's a brutal um, stretch. It was tough on the players, and I think we've got to be smart because in all these adding games and adding physicality of games and adding playoff teams, you add more games, you may have to do something with the clock. You may have to manage the game tighter to reduce the number of plays. You know, just making a subtle change in clock management could shorten the plays, which would shorten the season and make more games actually not more games. Uh, so, on that subject, uh, you are a student of the game. Uh, is, what what else could be done? Because it, it's for the fan. It's not easy for the coach. But I mean, these games just go on yeah. forever. Yeah, I think in tighten that up. I was actually on uh, one of the committees with with the rules committee, and that was a conversation. You know, our game average length is not that far off from the NFL's, and we'd love to tighten that. But our extremes are different, meaning our longest games are long and our shortest games are short. So our median, somewhere in the middle there, is not that far off the NFL. But we'd love to be able to tighten that up. And that would allow us to play more games because the players would have less snaps. And you're trying to not increase snaps on would the Would you, kids. I mean, not to turn this into the you know, end of the bar conversation a little bit, you know, if you, what could you change? But what, what would you, if, if, if we, we let you. It's been discussed, running clock after okay. an incompletion. Okay. Okay, you get an incompletion, you get a running clock there up until the last two minutes of the game or last four minutes that of the game. Yeah. It would reduce that time some, and it would probably be overall better for the viewership. we got to think about our customers and our fan base out there. But and there's so many good rivalries in the SEC. I hope we don't lose those, but there's certainly an opportunity with new teams coming in to, to get some great games going. So, I, you know, I don't know about uh... – the method to doing this, like Kirby says here, of a running clock after an incompletion, I don't, I don't know if I'd quite get on board with that. But it's good to know that uh, they're at least considering it because they're always you always got to be working to make the game better. It's, in my opinion, of course, is the best game around college football, SEC football. How can we make it better? How can we improve upon the best product? Because if you're not looking ahead, you're not trying to improve like the SEC is trying to do here. You know, you could get passed by and 
that's just the way it is. So I just appreciated the fact that uh, Kirby kind of let this one slip and, and shared some insight into ways they're trying to improve SEC football. But hey, that's all we got on this episode. So again, a little bit of a shorter one here. SEC spring meetings, a little bit duller here with uh, fewer coaching comments and all that. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some big news here on Thursday, something to go down. And again, hopefully, fingers crossed, the Tennessee Homer will be back on the show to wrap us up for the weekend here on what would be a Friday show. So stay tuned. I, t- I really, we really do appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to check us out. It's freaking June, one month closer to college football. We are approaching, I want to say 93 days to the SEC first Saturday in the SEC 91 if you're a Tennessee or Mizzou fan and hell in an entire week earlier if you're a Vanderbilt fan less than 90 days from some SEC football it'll be here before you know it before you know it but uh, hey that's all we got on this episode of the show we'll catch you on the next one